Though I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches, or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honour, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem, and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Let's also turn to the first Kings chapter 11, and we'll read the first eight verses. First Kings chapter 11 describes Solomon a bit later on. First Kings 11 verse 1 to 8. Now Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord, as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrificed to their gods. Let's now turn to our text for this afternoon. Our text is from Proverbs chapter 4, the last part of the chapter. So this morning we heard from from the first part of Proverbs 4, the call to, to get wisdom. And now we'll hear the last part of the chapter, the call to to keep wisdom in our heart. Let's read the verses 20 to 27, which will be our text for this afternoon. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. 
for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Dear brothers and sisters, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our world today is full of distraction. It's become normal for us to take our phones everywhere we go and even to read new messages as soon as they pop up on our phones. Many of our conversations now can be interrupted by by the buzz of a notification or by a new message. And it's in this such a distracted world that we live in that it can be hard for us to concentrate, to focus. It's very easy for us to just jump from one thing to the next, to keep looking for new information, new messages, new information in our news feed. It becomes increasingly harder to focus on the more complex tasks, things like reading books or writing school assignments. And it might even be a challenge for us to focus on reading our Bibles. Well, these distractions don't only affect young people. In 2018, there was a news article which had this headline, Admit it, older people, you're addicted to your phones too. So when we talk about a distracted world, we're we're not just talking to teens, we're talking about all of us. And it's in this sort of distracted world this afternoon that the Lord calls us to focus on guarding our hearts. Guarding our hearts. What is it that you guard in this life? What is it that you protect Well, as parents, you protect your children. You protect them from getting too close to the fire or to the oven. We guard our homes. If we're worried about security, we might get guard dogs or invest in a security system. We don't want our possessions stolen. And our text this morning says that we need to guard our hearts. Verse 23 literally says, out of all the guarding that you do, guard your hearts. So guarding your properties, guarding your bodies, your lives, your children, at the top of the list of our guarding should be our hearts. Because our hearts are very precious. Because it's in our hearts that the Holy Spirit is working faith. The Holy Spirit lives in our heart and makes us to believe in Jesus Christ. And this is central to our identity as Christians. This is the reason that we have life. And so we really need to protect our hearts. We can't be distracted from the fundamental things of our faith. We can't let the distractions of the world shift our focus away from our Savior, Jesus Christ. In this distracted world, we're called this afternoon to guard our hearts. And so our theme is this afternoon, guard your heart for life. Do so by filling it with wisdom, by keeping folly out, and in the third place, by engaging your whole body. Firstly, guard your heart by filling it with wisdom. In verse 20, the familiar call to to listen, to be attentive to my words. It reminds us we're beginning another lecture from from the Father to the Son. We heard the the first lecture from chapter 4 this morning. 
in verses 1 to 9, and then in chapter, verses 10 to 19 is the second lecture, urging the son to avoid the path of folly and to follow the path of wisdom. And then the third lecture, which we hear this afternoon, builds on both of these two lectures and is a call to concentrate, to focus, to focus on the path of wisdom. It's something that needs to be continually guarded because once God gives us wisdom in our hearts, we need to continually guard it. And we don't need to look any further than the author of these Proverbs to see the truth of this played out. When Solomon was young, he, he wanted to serve the Lord. We read that from 1 Kings. It says, verse 3, Solomon loved the Lord and, and walked in the statutes of David his father. In fact, this relationship with the Lord, it was his top priority. When he could ask for anything he wanted, he asked for understanding so that he could govern God's people. It really seemed like Solomon was on the right track. He was pursuing wisdom, and we could even say that he cherished wisdom. But sadly, the story of Solomon doesn't end there. As we've just read from 1 Kings, we we saw a dramatic reversal from his earlier path. Instead of loving the Lord, now we read that Solomon loved many foreign women from the nations around Israel. Rather than clinging to wisdom as he urged his son to do, he clung to foreign and, in fact, forbidden women. The story of Solomon's life, then, is a a sad picture of the reality that wisdom needs to be guarded. We saw the imperative to get wisdom this morning. But the life of Solomon shows us that starting well is not enough. We also need to guard wisdom in our hearts. Well, brothers and sisters, what is the heart? In Hebrew, the idea of the heart was not the the physical organ we have today, which pumps blood around the body, but rather it refers to our inner being, including our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our heart is our central animating core, which, which motivates us. When we read the word heart in the Bible, then, it mostly means our entire inner being, our core personality. And verse 23 also says that our hearts are like springs. They're the source of our thoughts and our actions. It all comes from our heart. It's what makes us get out of bed in the mornings. And this is what we need to guard. And so in verse 21, the wise father urges his son, let not my words escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. You know, a prisoner is, is guarded so that he won't escape. And in a similar way, our text calls us to, to fill our hearts with these words of wisdom so that they won't escape. In the Israelite culture, this meant memorizing words of wisdom. Israel, Israel had an oral culture, so they memorized things in order to learn. For them, not letting the words escape meant remembering them and not forgetting them. So they needed to continually memorize them, to think about them, and to do that repeatedly. And keep them within your heart. Now this word within, it could also be translated as in the middle of your heart. The father wants his teachings to remain in the middle, at the center of his son's heart. When I was a child, my family sometimes walked in places where there would be a steep cliff. And mum would always keep us far away from the edge of the cliff. Stay where it's safe, she would tell us. She didn't want us close to the edge of the cliff. She didn't even want us to peer over the edge. 
And perhaps if you're a mum or a dad, you, you feel the same sense of protection for your kids. Why? Because they're precious. You don't even want them to get close to the cliff. You don't even want them to get close to the fire. And that's a similar thing to what the wise father is saying here. Keep my words in the middle of your heart. Play it safe. Don't even let them creep to the edges of your heart. So guard your heart. If you want to guard your your house, you feed good food to your guard dogs to make them strong. You keep your camera system up to date. It takes investment. And just like a a 24-hour video surveillance system, it's not just when you feel like guarding it, but it's it's a 24-hour investment. So too with our hearts, we need to continually invest in guarding them. And we make this investment by filling our hearts with words of wisdom, with the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This word, the word of God, that's the treasury that we need to invest in. Because this treasury teaches us about Jesus Christ, who is the source of our life and who is our wisdom from God. I recently read this line in a book. It said, we often avoid fellowship with Jesus because of a muted understanding of his heart. We often avoid fellowship with Jesus because of a muted understanding of his heart. Because he tells us to come to him. He says, all who are a labor and are heavily laden to come to him, he will give us rest because he is gentle and lowly in heart. Gentle and lowly. And when we understand more about his heart, more about his love for us, Then we want to fill our hearts with his words. We want to spend time with him. We want to fellowship with him. Well, brothers and sisters, the call to guard our hearts is a call to fill our hearts with the words of the Lord Jesus, to invest in his word by memorizing it, by studying it. As Paul says in Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, richly. And Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let's be people who love God's word, who delight to read it, to study it, who meditate on it and memorize it. Guard your heart by filling it with wisdom. The reason we guard wisdom in our hearts is what we see in verse 22. My words are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Getting wisdom means, first of all, following Jesus Christ. And this is how we get life, as we saw this morning. And that's also why we need to guard wisdom, to guard our relationship with Jesus. Because this is our very life. Jesus said in, in John seven thirty eight, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It's in our hearts that the, the Spirit works faith in Jesus Christ. Our hearts embrace Jesus Christ by faith. And then out of that comes our entire Christian walk of life. It all comes from the heart. So that's why we need to, to guard it with all vigilance. And the gospel of our passage this afternoon is that our hearts have something in them which is so precious that it cannot be left unguarded. So that's why we need to let the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. We're called to guard our hearts by feeding them with wisdom, 
by feeding on the word of God. This is how the Spirit works new life in us. And in the second place, we'll see that we guard our hearts by keeping folly out. We've seen in our first point that the call to guard our hearts is a call to feed them with wisdom. And this becomes even more important when we consider the competing claims on our heart. Because we live in a fallen world and our hearts are attracted by the world and and attacked by the devil. It also becomes important when we consider that our hearts are the source of our actions. Because if our hearts are not filled with wisdom, then our words and our actions will not be either. Jesus illustrates this truth in, in Luke chapter 6. He says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, and nor are grapes picked from a bamboo bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Because our hearts are the source of our actions, we need to keep folly out. Because if we allow folly to get into our hearts, then it's also going to infect our words and our actions. What are you feeding your heart? Everything in your news feed, everything that you read, everything you watch, every video you watch on Netflix, every Instagram story you see is all feeding your heart. And what you feed your heart is, is going to come out in your actions and in your words. If you're feeding on endless memes of, that entertain for a moment, but in the end don't really mean anything, then you can't expect your thoughts to be pure and lovely. But on the other hand, if you're investing in words of wisdom, then it will come out in the encouragement that you bring to a brother or sister. It will come out in a greater knowledge for your lo- and a greater love for your Savior. So what are you feeding your heart? The world will feed us with folly. Because the world is opposed to Jesus Christ and to his truth, the world encourages us to live for the moment rather than investing in eternal life, rather than guarding our hearts. As we saw earlier, the world will distract us. The world will fill our hearts with small pieces of entertainment which make us continually want more but never really satisfy us. And as Christians, we need to guard our hearts against these distractions. Paul urges us in Romans 12, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have something special, as we saw. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit working in our hearts. We need to protect that. We don't want to exchange that precious relationship for empty entertainment. And neither do we want our hearts to be distracted from their true source of life, from Jesus Christ. We need to guard our hearts against the world, and we also need to guard our hearts against the devil. Satan is relentless. Satan is fighting to take control of our hearts. We read in 1 Peter 5 that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The devil is real. He is fighting. He's on the lookout for anyone who does not guard their heart. He wants to take our hearts and to rip the life right out of them. 
And one of the tactics that the devil might like to use is, is to tell us that our time with God, with reading his word and praying, learning more about Jesus is not that important, is what the devil will tell us. He might tell us just to relax a little. You don't need to be that vigilant. You can probably skip prayer every now and again. You can probably just read a short psalm this morning. You're in a hurry, aren't you? The devil wants us to think that guarding our hearts is not that important or that we can just let our guard down today and tomorrow we can pick it up again. Or he might distract our hearts, distract us from filling our hearts with wisdom. The devil is a roaring lion. So you can see, brothers and sisters, the importance of guarding our hearts from folly because if we fill our hearts with the folly of the world, if, or if we aren't filling our hearts with anything good at all, then the devil will seize that opportunity and then it will reflect in our thoughts and our actions. So we're called to guard our hearts from all folly. But in the third place, we're also called to, to guard our hearts by engaging our whole body. Did you notice when we were reading our text this afternoon how many body parts are mentioned when it talks about wisdom? It starts off in verse 20 and 21 with, with the eyes and the ears. And then it talks about the heart in, in verse 21 and 23. And then we read about the mouth and the lips, verse 24, the eyes, verse 25, and the feet, verse 26 and 27. You see, all of our body needs to be engaged in the cold, to to guard our hearts and to focus on the right path. Verse 25, then the Father specifically focuses on the eyes. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. In the time of Israel, the temptation was always to look to the nations around them. And for example, Solomon was attracted by the nation's idea of success. For the nations, the way to political success was was by marrying into different countries, by marrying princesses from lots of different countries. Solomon looked to the nations. And God had told Solomon that he should trust in him. 1 Kings 9, if you will walk before me, I will establish your throne. Solomon needed to focus on obeying God and trust that he would establish his throne. But instead, Solomon turned aside and looked at the nations and saw how they established their thrones. But in contrast to this, the wise father urges his son here to keep his eyes looking straight ahead. Rather than looking at the world's idea of entertainment, of success, of what the world does when they get their paycheck, we're called to guard our hearts by focusing on the path ahead. And the author to the Hebrews takes this same idea when he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. We shouldn't be distracted by comparing ourselves with other people. We shouldn't be distracted by looking at the world, at at the things that they do on their weekends, at the fun that they seem to have. No, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because he is our life. He is our joy. He is the greatest treasure we could ever own. So let's not turn away from him for lesser things. And then the wise father tells his son also to ponder the path of his feet. 
The way of wisdom is described in the book of Proverbs as a straight path, the path that needs to be taken instead of the paths of folly. For example, the second part of chapter 4 compares these two paths, verse 18 and 19. It says that the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter unto full day. It's a beautiful image, isn't it? But the way of the wicked, on the other hand, is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. And so we are told to ponder the path of our feet. We're told ponder, to be, we're told to be intentional about where we're going. Our feet are not aimlessly wandering, but they have a purpose. Everywhere that we go in this life has the purpose of glorifying God. Because as we saw this morning, wisdom encompasses all of our life, every path that we follow. So where do your feet take you? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus also uses similar imagery. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction.